Well, I'm excited that the wardrobe changing part of the service has already been completed. Uh, didn't get a chance to introduce myself earlier. My name is Zach Thompson. I'm on staff here at Calvary. And if you are new to Calvary in general, well, this is one of the things that we are all about. We love seeing people make decisions to follow Jesus. We celebrate these times. They are a benefit to those who are being baptized. They're a benefit to all of us as a reminder of what Jesus has done in our lives as well. We also get tremendously excited about the Word of God, that we want to be people who are in all things turning to what has God said, yes, in an earlier, different context, but it still speaks to us now. What is God saying to us now? If you are new to Calvary, encourage you, uh, come back. I know this is a big ask. Come back after second service. We have an event that we call Starting Points. There's lunch involved. There's childcare available if you need it. But it's just a chance for us to say, this is who we are as a church. This is what God has called us to do. You can meet some of our staff. I, I, I will be there. But don't let that scare you away. Again, free lunch it will be available. Encourage you to come back to Starting Point if you are new uh, here. It was incredible to get to have our uh, kids from our kids' ministry here uh, seeing the baptism. Uh, baptism isn't the only time that we celebrate what God has done. We, we also celebrate uh, those kids uh, as they are put in the lives of parents who are seeking to guide them as God calls them to do. One of the ways that we want to do this is with our child dedications. On May 8th, in both services, uh, we are offering child dedications. There's no age limit uh, or maximum to uh, the age of a child. It's for the parents who are involved. It says, we see God has given us this child, has given us responsibility over them, and we seek to raise this child as God calls us to with the help of this community of believers around us. If that describes where you're at, encourage you to be part of child dedications on May 8th. So those are uh, new people to Calvary, new people to this planet. Uh, what about those who have been around Calvary for a long time to the point that you are a member here? Well, I have an announcement for you as well. Tomorrow is our annual meeting, uh, 7 p.m. at the Boulder campus. This is a chance for us to celebrate what has God done in the church in Thornton, Boulder, Erie, and online. What, what are the stories of God's work, and how can we celebrate those together? We'll look over our finances from the past year, look ahead to finances this upcoming year. We are adding, uh, we are commissioning two elders to, to join our board. Um, one of them uh, just might be in this very room. Uh, it's not a surprise, like you won't get shocked. Like, is it me? No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's, that's not it. That's not it. Uh, excited to, to vote in our elders. Uh, it, it's, it's a great opportunity. If you're a member here, you've gone through membership, I encourage you to come to our membership class. So with all of that said, of who we are as a church, what we focus on, let's turn to the scriptures. We're continuing our series in the book of James. Uh, we have these, these scripture journals. They're available. They're on the Hello Wall uh, back in the lobby if you don't have one, or you, if you have the text uh, from the Bible in front of you, or you just want to look at the slides, uh, all of that works. Uh, so James is a letter written by James, the brother of Jesus. He was the leader of this important church in the city of Jerusalem. That's a pretty important city to have an important church in. And so as he's writing to people, he, he's, he's talking to those who are Christians. They know the story of Easter, that Jesus died so that they can live, but then how sh then should they live? 
That's the, the issue that James has been addressing throughout. What then should these people do? As these people claim to be Christians, how should they live as one? If they claim to be Christians, well, then they need to speak as Christians should to other people. If they claim to be Christians, they need to live in the way God has called them to live. It's not enough to just know what God has said, but to actually do it as well. If they claim to be Christians, then they're to show the same love that they've received from God to all people, not picking favorites, but loving all. If they claim to be Christians, then they are to live in the different ways that God has called them to live, even in the midst of difficulty, of trials, of hardships. They're to live as they claim to be. James is going to continue this. We are all the way up to chapter four in our series, but James is going to continue an idea that he's already been working on previous to this. So look at James chapter three, starting in verse 14. This is where we will pick it up. So James chapter three, starting in verse 14, it says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. This has been a a popular idea in James. He's telling us to seek God for all wisdom as opposed to earthly, unspiritual, demonic wisdom. 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So James has this idea. He says where there is jealousy, so where people are being jealous, and where people are being selfish, well, the result of that is disorder and every vile practice. So where people are acting in selfish ways, when they are seeking after their desires, their hopes, their dreams, their expectations, when they are seeking after these things, the result of that will be disorder. And as James is writing to this church, he's saying where people are being selfish, there will be disorder. James continues this idea in uh, chapter four, verse one. What happens? We don't address that selfishness, that jealousy. James chapter four, verse one, he says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So here we have this, this question and an answer that James has. So we, uh, James has this question, what causes these quarrels and fights Uh, among you. So in this church, there's people in disagreement. They're arguing. They're fighting. They're not being united. They're, They're not coming to an agreement on these things. They are fighting. And James says, what is causing these fights? And then James provides his own answer to it in that second part. He says, is it not that your passions are at war within you? Is it not that you have these hopes, these dreams, these expectations, these desires and they're at war within you. That is what is causing these fights. Okay, now this sounds like dramatic language, right? Are passions at war within us? I mean, sure, there's things that I want, and when I don't get them, I might be disappointed, or I might be upset, but to say that there is a war going on within me, that's a, a bit too far. But I think this misses the truth, and James is trying to get us to that truth. I think there's two causes to any war that could happen with our passions, our desires within us. 
The first is God has a way that he calls us to live that's good and for our joy. And my instinct as a fallen person in a fallen world is to do what I want because I think that's going to be good. I think that's going to be for my joy. And so as God is calling us to do things that go against that fallen instinct of mine, well, there's going to be conflict there. There's going to be a war that's occurring as I'm seeking to go one way where God is calling me to a way that's actually better. But this war actually exists in all people, that there is a conflict going on uh, within every person, whether they're seeking to follow God's way or not. Because where we have hopes and dreams and expectations and desires, where we have things that we want out of this life, we will run into conflict when one other thing is introduced, another person. Because another person is going to have those uh, similar hopes and dreams and expectations and desires, but those might run contrary to mine. And as I am seeking to fill my wants and they are seeking to fill their wants, there's a time when they're going to come in conflict with one another. When everyone's position is my way or the highway, well, there's not enough infrastructure to accommodate everyone. We all have these hopes and dreams and expectations and desires. And when we come across someone else, when we meet someone else who has similar things, well, it causes conflict. It causes this war. And so there becomes hatred towards other people. There, there's pushing people down to get what I want uh, over them. There's, there's abuse that occurs. There's exploitation. There's even just, just uh, a grudge that we hold against someone who seems to have something that I want. When I have a desire and it's frustrated, this war occurs, this battle occurs, and there's conflict that comes out of that. Because look at how James continues it in verse 2. He says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. So James is talking about what we've said. So every person has this desire, this hope, this dream, this expectation, this, this, uh, this desire, this want in their life. And when they do not have the results that James says the people are doing, that we as all people is, is murder. So again, with the dramatic language, murder? No, 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 I, I don't ever murder anyone. Like when I don't get my wants, it, it never gets that far. I just use passive aggression or active aggression or I hold a grudge or I cut people down behind their backs or I cut people down to their face, but I never murder. That's a bit too far. And I don't think James is saying that, that the people in these churches are actually murdering each other either. You don't really wait till chapter four to say, oh, by the way, you know how you guys are killing each other? Maybe stop that. They might not have made it that far into the letter. No, I think James is using this metaphorical language to get to the growth potential of envy. That as we have these wants and they're frustrated, these desires that we don't actually uh, get, that we do not obtain, well, that grows and grows and grows within us until there's no place for it to grow but out of us, leading to these fights, these quarrels, these battles, these wars. And so James is using this, this very metaphorical language to talk about the danger of it. I, I think he's using this to show that as we don't address these desires, these frustrated desires into us, they become these external attacks towards other people. And James is pointing us to what Jesus has said in Matthew chapter 5, 
where he points to the anger and hatred that is in all of us that is met with the same judgment as murder. You have heard it said, do not murder. But I say to you, don't be angry towards your brother. That as we as people hold on to these frustrated desires and they grow within us, they lead to these external attacks with the same judgment uh, that comes with them as murder. All right, we still might not be convinced. Is this really what occurs? We, we have these frustrated desires. Does it really end up in this way? Well, let me just point to the wars that we see within the church currently. These battles, these fighting, these, uh, these attacks that we see just within people who call themselves Christians. Think of politics or politicians. That you meet someone who believes something different than you, and it's, can you even be a Christian and hold that standpoint? Or think of the worship wars. Do we have a drum set in there? Do we stick to just the hymns, or do we do modern songs? And there is very strong opinions on each of those. And if you are doing the opposite, well, then clearly that can't be a church that God is at. Think of how parents are raising their kids and educating them. Do they go to homeschool to avoid the contamination of this world? Do they go to Christian schools? Because that's the only place that you're going to get a strong Christian foundation. Do you go to public school because you guys are just cowards leaving the mission field? There's strong opinions to be had. And if you aren't going in the right one, well, not only do I question your salvation, but you're damaging your kid irreparably. Each of these has hopes and dreams and desires for someone's own life, but also an expectation about how things are to be done in every people's lives. And when that's not met, what's these wars, these fights, these quarrels? Because what's the result of this? Is the church currently in the place that Jesus calls us to be, that he prays for in John 17, as one? Are we united? Are we a beacon of unity in an otherwise divided world? Or when things don't go the way that we want, do we respond like everyone else does with wars, with fighting, with battles, with murder, metaphorical or otherwise? James is pointing out that when we have a desire and that becomes frustrated, as this grows and grows within us, this battle within leads to the battle without. Now, we still might be trying to downplay it. I mean, sure, I, I got in a disagreement. I yelled at this person, but, but I, I was just letting off steam. I needed to vent. Like, yes, we, we were uh, arguing about this, but, but it was just arguing. They, they know that. Yeah, yeah, I said some things that I regret, but, but they still know that I love them. But James is pointing to the power of the tongue once again. And we've been going back to the real cause of this. Yes, we can do some real damage with our words. We have felt that as people. We have done that to others. But James once again shows us the real issue here. That the damage that we can do with our tongue is severe. But the battle's already going on. These passions are already warring within us. That the damage that's being done outside of us is reflecting the damage that's already done inside of us. 
as these desires are frustrated, as we look at these things that we wanted as we didn't get them, as we had hopes and dreams and expectations and and things that I wanted, and when that did not occur, what I'm saying is a byproduct of what's already happened. And as we seek our satisfaction in anything other than God, when we had this this want and that becomes my whole world and I didn't get that, then, then the damage is occurring outside of me as well as inside of me. When we seek our satisfaction in any place apart from God, well, then we're gonna seek our satisfaction in everything but God. And it will never last. It will never fulfill us. It will have to go again and again and again and again to try to find the satisfaction. As one of the reformers said, I really like how they put this. Well, I mean, not for my selfishness, but uh, just how it's said it's beautiful. He says, when a man allows his appetites free reign, he will never come to an end to his lust. Even if he were given the earth, he would long to have new worlds made for him. And that's what James is talking about. That as we have these desires and we do not want, when that becomes our focus, yes, we are damaging people with what we say, but the damage has been done. When we find our satisfaction in any place apart from God, then we are just down this endless path of hurt and frustration and war and murder. Now, this runs so contrary to our instincts. Then the, the, the culture that's around us, where the highest value that you can have, the ultimate pursuit is to be yourself and let no one or no thing hinder you from do- doing that. Now, expression is so good. God has made us all unique. He's gifted us in incredible ways. And we should, uh, we should acknowledge that God has, has said that we are good and made us beautifully the way that we are. I'm not denying that. But James is pointing out what happens when being myself conflicts with you being yourself. What's well, conflict? That is, I have desires that are not met. The war within leads to war without. James has a, a parallel in this sentence. He, he says uh, something one way, and then he says it uh, a similar but slightly different way. Look at the end of verse two. He says, you covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight in quarrel. So here again, we have uh, someone covets. They want something, but they cannot obtain, and the result of that is these fights, these quarrels, these wars. So again, we see these internal actions, the damage that's already going on inside of me, the passions that are at war, and when I do not get the desires of my heart, those become external actions. The internal actions produce these external actions. As we hold on to these things, these frustrated desires, as they grow and grow within us, they spill out of us. I think of a sophomore year of college. I was all excited uh, about uh, rooming in one of the dorms with uh, a friend of mine since high school. Uh, we, we were so excited. We were buying things for, for the room together. It, it was uh, something I was really looking forward to uh, that whole year before into summer. And, and things were all set up for it, except for the fact that he didn't get into that school. A uh, little bit of a hinder to the, the problem. Uh, I was then uh, assigned a roommate there, and it was a foreign exchange student uh, named Alex. It was, it was the strangest thing. Like, you, normally what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to Facebook stalk someone's name so you can learn a little bit about them. How do you do that when they don't have a social media footprint? Uh, it, was, it was weird. But 
moved into this place, and I actually got there after him, so he had moved in before, and he had his stuff everywhere, and I, I mean everywhere. There was stuff on the bed that was supposed to be mine. Apparently, he thought both were his or something. I don't know. Uh, no person, and you might be hearing this, no person has irritated more, me more than he had and still hasn't to this day, but the one in particular, let's see if I can make it through this. <sighs> Uh, the one in particular is he had, uh, he would use his phone for his alarm, and he had this one pop song on the highest possible volume that he could get that phone to get to. The guy would have this go off 10 times every morning before he would wake up. But the worst, the worst, is when he was gone for a weekend, and he left his phone behind. And at 6 a.m. on a Saturday, his alarm went off. And again at 6.05, and again at 6.10, and at 6.15, I finally threw his phone across the room. I remember being in screaming matches with Alex, where we'd just be at disagreement, at odds about everything. And there's so many things that, I, that I've said that, that I regret uh, that, that I've said to him to this day. And yet, what was the cause of all of this? Yeah, he wasn't the roommate, uh, he, he wasn't acting like a roommate like I, I thought he should have acted, but he wasn't my friend. He wasn't the guy I was so excited to room with. He was someone else. The game was rigged against him from the start. And as this frustrated desire, this thing I wanted, this hope, this dream, this expectation was damaged, well, that grew and grew and grew inside of me until there wasn't any place for it to stay inside of me anymore, and it came out. The war within became this war without. You covet, and you do not obtain, and that's what leads to these fights. You desire, you do not have, and that leads to murder. Now, I, I do wanna say, James is not <clears throat> saying desire is wrong that to want things is a bad thing. Instead, I think he's getting at the fact that we can often want things that we shouldn't, that we could pursue things that are lesser than God himself, that God has not put in us to desire, but we can also desire things wrongly, that we can pursue them and they become our everything. That as we pursue things that we want more than uh, love for our, our neighbor, then we want uh, uh, unity within the church, then we want to f follow his way wherever he takes us. When we want things more than that, well, it makes love and unity just about impossible. But James does not say that desire is a bad thing. L look at how he finishes verse two. He says, you do not have... So again, you can, have, you can want to have things, but you do not have because you do not ask. You ask, verse three, and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So there's nothing wrong with, with these desires to want things. If it's not at the expense of others, if it's not to push them down, if it's not to raise myself up above other people, it's, it's certainly appropriate to desire things. How do we respond to those desires though? Well, James gives us two things. He says, first, uh, the, the ultimate question that we can have, uh, should have when we have a desire is, well, have I prayed? And that's what he says here with, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. So the first question is, have I prayed? 
Because often in my life, in these situations where I'm not getting what I want or think I deserve, uh, often I seek to try to control the situation myself, to get it myself, rather than turning to the God who created in me desires to begin with, the God who knows the desires of my heart, the, the God who can satisfy those desires. So in these times when we have a want, when we have a desire, the the first thing that we do is we turn to God in prayer, asking him who has given us every good and perfect gift. But then the second question, so first is, have I prayed? The second one is, how have I prayed? And that's the question. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. So often my prayers would be categorized as being done wrongly. Often I bring things to God with, God, here is what you need to accomplish. Here is the way you need to accomplish it. Uh, You're ultimately just the source of power to get what I want. My will be done. Isn't that how the prayer goes? And and I know I'm not alone in this. I've heard prayers from people uh, actively wishing harm on others that they felt wronged by. The worst offenders of this Uh, maybe not the worst, but the ones that that I've been appalled by recently are are the prayers at political rallies. Have you heard any of these where where someone is praying and and their prayer is saying, this person is going to win this upcoming election and they're going to fix everything wrong. God, you're just here to rubber stamp that. You're just here to acknowledge these facts. You're not the one that we're turning to to fix things that are wrong. We're not asking for your guidance in this election. You're just here to acknowledge these facts. And it's, it's so awful to hear that with this person who they think is going to become president or senator or class treasurer, whatever it may be, uh, to hear these prayers that are being done, that's not what we're called to do. Ultimately, it comes down to this. If we are praying and we're not comfortable saying, not my will but yours be done, God, if we're not like Daniel's friends and say, God, even if you don't do this, you're still good and I will still serve you. If we can't honestly say that in our prayer, it's not a prayer. It's treating God like a vending machine. I punched in my number. Now you're supposed to give me my item, God. That's how it works. We're just making a shopping list. We're like children at Christmas circling every item in a catalog that we need to get for Christmas. And when we don't get every item, we're furious. That's not prayer. That's not asking God for these things. It's having these passions, and God is just there to satisfy our desires. And that's not, that's not the case. That's not why he is God. That's not what he is there for. So what James is saying in this passage is that we all have these desires, And a lot of these can be good. We can desire some really good things. God has made us to desire justice and mercy and community and love. God's made us to desire him, that if we didn't have this part within us that needed him, that that we were designed to be with him, we might not pursue him otherwise as we are going down the path that we think is good rather than going after him. We can desire some good things. He has made us thus. But when our desires are not met, Well, they can grow and grow within us. They can become our focus, leading to wounding those around us. And instead, in these instances, we're to bring these before God. We're to turn to him in all things. 
James is writing to this Christian community. How are we to respond when there are fights within the church? And uh, unfortunately, it's, it's something that we still see to this day. And we went through a few of those areas where there are wars within the church as desires are frustrated. But, but I think a lot of these principles work for just about every relationship that we're in, don't they? Husbands, wives, what causes these quarrels and fights among you? See, the thing about a marriage is it's the joining together of two selfish people that each of them come in with desires and expectations and hopes and dreams that the other person cannot constantly fulfill. And I know all this because my wife married a very selfish person. One wasn't totally supposed to get a laugh. Uh, my selfishness is horrendous and, it is, and it's tremendous as well. That there are so many times, every single day, there's new and new desires. Some of those can be good. Some of those can be at the expense of my wife or, uh, or at the expense of her desires and hopes and dreams. And every day, it's this, this battle of, am I pursuing my desires rather than hers? Are mine more important than anything else? And every day, this is trying to grow into it because left unchecked, my desires can grow and grow and lead to conflict. And left unchecked, that conflict can grow and grow until it leads to the end of that relationship. Parents, children, what causes these quarrels and fights among you? You, never, you know what you never hear in those cutesy moments? Like it's always like, oh, he has your smile. Oh, she has her dad's eyes. You never hear like, oh, he has your selfishness. <laughs> She's just as narcissistically needy as you are. <laughs> Maybe don't share that one at the baby shower. But that's the case. This is a situation where there are desires and hopes and dreams and expectations, and they will often be in conflict with one another. So how will we respond? Or a coworker, or something that causes a friend at school to become a former friend at school, or any time that we're seeking from something, something from someone that only God can give us. In each of these moments, we have these desires, these things that we want, these things that we feel that we need in life, and when they are not met, well, the war within leads to war without. So what do we do? What is our response in these situations? I, I have something, uh, I want something, I desire something, it hasn't been met, and now this this warring is spilling out of me onto others around me. What, what do I do with that? Well, we talked about the first part, is we pray. We pray to the God who knows our hearts, who knows our desires, who has designed us to desire. We turn to him for all things. But the second part of that is as we are doing these things, as I am yelling at my roommate, as I'm being passive aggressive with my wife, as I'm stewing in anger in the car, as I'm throwing a phone across the room, we need to ask ourselves, what is the root cause here? What was this desire that I had that was frustrated? 
Because, yeah, I, I could disagree with my roommates, but it wasn't until I realized that it was the wound that existed before he even walked into that door that was causing this. Well, there was no hope for repairing that relationship. So what's the root cause? What's the desire that I had? What is the dream that didn't get met? What was an expectation that never came through? How were things done in a way that I thought they should have never been done this way? We need to figure out what the root cause of that is. So pray, find the root cause, and then ultimately, the the greatest question we can ask is, how is God better? We have this desire, it wasn't met, but how is God better than any desire that I could come up with? How has the love God shown me able, uh, enabled me to have love towards this other person at this time? How has the patience that God has shown me enabled me to be patient in this conversation? How is God selfless, uh, selflessly coming to this earth to die for rebellious me enabled me to break down my selfishness? How is God better than any of these desires that I magnify in my life as the ultimate thing when that could only be him. Because look back again at James 3, 16. He says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Where is the hope here? Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. How do we break down the war within that comes without of us? And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In the midst of the war within, we are only able to stop the war without to live at peace by the power of God who gives with, uh, by peace, by the power of God who gives wisdom, who gives us all we have and all that we are. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful for this reminder of what you've called us to do that you are the God who came and saved to do what we could not do to save ourselves. And yet you also give us the power to live for you. But left to our own devices, we would turn to our own devices. We would not turn to you or your grace or your guidance. But you've demonstrated such tremendous love to us that we seek to love others in return. There is still that war within all of us until the day that we stand before you fully perfect. We will want things contrary to you. We will want things contrary to those around us. Help us to be people who seek peace. Help us to be people who seek to quiet the war within before it leads to war without. And our relationships here in this church to be the place of unity in this world that's so broken. Help us in our relationships, in our home, as husbands, as wives, as parents, as children, as coworkers, as friends, as neighbors, and all the roles you've placed us in where things will come into conflict with others. Let us seek you, the ultimate peacekeeper. It's to you that we pray.